I'm just interested in this relationship. I just want to help you out and serve you in some way. I'll totally work for free. And that's what I did is like, I literally started redesigning her site. I started editing things. I started doing some of her content marketing and basically just starting adding value for free. And it literally just sparked something inside me of knowing that I can make a difference and help somebody else out without having it to be a paycheck from a company or a corporation. What's up? My name is CJ Finley and this is the Thrive On Life podcast. I started a brand called Thrive On Life to help other mission-based people, brands, and businesses thrive. Each week we interview people on topics of business, health, relationships, mindset, and much more to help us thrive in all areas of life. If the messages in this podcast resonate with you, but you're still feeling a little bit stuck in actually implementing these ideas, I'd love to help you on a more personalized level or connect you with somebody that can. So please reach out. Also, if you've got a friend who you know could benefit from hearing this episode, please share the love with them. My goal is always to spread positive impact through the sharing of knowledge, and I would be honored if you could help me achieve this goal. Today's episode is with Corey Hibben, a healthcare professional turned entrepreneur on a mission to help as many people as possible build a business that fits their lifestyle. As somebody who has gone through the struggles of working as both a personal trainer and a healthcare professional, Corey understands the challenges of getting clients and building a sustainable business. Today, Corey spends his time helping his clients create content and build some websites that actually convert their leads into paying customers. And when he is not doing that, he is building the Health Hustle podcast to help educate other fitness entrepreneurs on how to conquer all obstacles that life seems to throw at them. Corey does an amazing job of storytelling in this episode, which makes me super stoked for y'all to have a chance to tune in. So without further ado, please welcome Corey Hibben to the show. What is up, Thrive Fam? CJ Finley here again with another episode of the Thrive and Life podcast. And it's always an honor to bring on fellow podcast hosts. So today's conversation is going to be with my buddy, Corey Hibben, and he is honestly bailing me out. I was supposed to go a little bit different uh, on a different path this week, and I had some other things lined up, but they fell through, and I shot him a text. And I just want to say thank you so much for being flexible and jumping on the show. He was already on my hit list, um, but I'm trying to get my studio up to par with what I believe it could be. And some of the guests that I have on there, I want to highlight that for them. But today, we're just going to let it rip, and I'm stoked to introduce Corey. How are you doing today? Good, man. It's uh, one of the honors of uh, entrepreneurship is that you have autonomy with your time. And so you get to do stuff like this when you get a random reach out. So yeah, yeah. it's it's one of those things where I, once it happens and I look at my friends, I usually go to my friends list and like, who who would probably be able to say yes to this uh, on short notice? It was like two days notice. And I just, again, thank you for, for kind of bailing me out because I was telling Corey before we jumped on the show when it's not your full-time thing and you kind of have things set in stone like, oh, this is the week I'm going into, you don't really have a plan B. Um, so we figured it out and that's kind of like one of the paths I want to go down in this conversation. Um, but the first question I want to ask is I showed you, I saw that you rolled up with a bike helmet and... I've always wanted a motorcycle. Now that I'm married, I don't think Aaron will ever let me have one. Um, but when did you get when did you get into riding? Yeah, it was actually uh, quite the story. Honestly, I remember I was at dinner with my my dad. My dad's been riding motorcycles his whole life, and he it's actually how my parents met. Was my dad was riding a motorcycle, and we were at dinner, and he was like, he's like, yeah, you should like try riding my motorcycle. And I was like, yeah, like I'd love to. I've always wanted to learn. It's one of those things where like you see other people riding it and it's like, yeah, that'd be sweet. I'd love to learn how to do that. And so that day, literally we got out on the street where my parents live and my dad takes the bike out to the street and lines me up. And it's a pretty straight street for the most part until you like get way down the road a little bit. And um, so if you don't know anything about motorcycles, my dad rides like what you'd consider a very intense, heavy duty, large Harley Davidson. This thing's like 1200 cc's, which is a lot for a motorcycle. Like most people start at like a 150 or a 300 and it weighs probably a thousand pounds and it has like all the saddlebags and everything you can see on this, everything to load this bike up, right? What With like booster packs and everything else, right? 
and I'm a little nervous, right? I'm, I'm lined up in the street and there's a thousand pound bike underneath me. And I killed it the first couple of times because I wasn't really sure how to handle the clutch on a motorcycle. And my dad says the classic phrase of like, I swear everyone with a motorcycle says, and they're like, just, just give it a little bit more throttle, just a little bit more <laughs> throttle. And like, it'll just like take off on you. And I was like, perfect, great. All right, dad, I'll just give it a little bit more throttle. And I gave it a little bit more throttle. And obviously this is a way too powerful bike for me. And I literally go from zero to like 30 miles an hour in a split second. And I'm cruising down the road and all of a sudden like an oncoming truck starts heading towards me. And in my brain, I'm thinking like, yeah, you just like turn the steering wheel like you would a car or a bicycle, oh, right? God. That's not how you control a motorcycle. And I didn't know this because I'd never ridden a motorcycle before, right? And so I can't like turn the motorcycle at all. Like I have no, I'm not even going fast enough, honestly, to be able to, which is the irony of this is that the faster you go, actually the easier it is to handle the speed, right? Because you have so much weight underneath you. And so I can't turn it. And so I panic and I drop the clutch, the engine dies. I dumped the motorcycle on the side of the road and I literally like rolled into the berm. And my dad, I'll never forget it. My dad, I look back and he's running down the street and he goes, you did such a good job. I'm so proud of you. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like I totally just like dumped your motorcycle on the side of the road. Luckily, I was totally fine physically. But honestly, man, like mentally, it really messed me up. Like for ever since that moment, because I didn't have a helmet on, I didn't have gloves, I didn't have any gear on, I had nothing, right? I just went into this blind, like just trusting that I could figure it out, which I obviously couldn't. And honestly, it messed me up really bad mentally for a while where like, I remember I would lay in bed at night and I would think about that moment of where, like where I crashed the motorcycle and I was like, man, I, I really could have got hurt. Like I really could have fucked myself up, right? Like brain damage, like road rash, whatever, name your thing. And so like I dealt with this for like months with what felt like PTSD. I never have had PTSD, but what's what it felt like because I could feel my heart rate racing in the middle of the night every time I would think about it, right? And I was like, I need to get over this. And so I signed up for a basic rider motorcycle course, which is just the basic one that people do when you first want to start learning how to ride. And I took the class and like I still had that like PTSD type moments, even at the class, like when I finally got under a motorcycle. And granted, when you take the class, you're riding like 125s versus the 1200 that I rode on my motorcycle, right? Or my dad's motorcycle. And it was through that course. It's honestly, they're only a weekend course, but by the end of it, you basically, you get your license and you're able to go out and ride. And that next day after taking that class, I went out and bought a motorcycle and I haven't looked back since. And honestly, like it's one of those moments too, where you realize that oftentimes the best solution to the things that you're dealing with is basically like exposure therapy of I was dealing with something that physically was affecting me and mentally affecting me. And I was like, I need to figure out how to deal with this. And that's why I ended up taking the course. And so, yeah, now I ride, uh, it's only a 300, it's a 300 CC and I'd feel really comfortable doing something more than that. But honestly, living here in Austin, I've never needed anything more than that. I mean, I can get that thing up to a hundred easy, and why do I ever need to go faster than 100? Honestly, the only benefits of even having a motorcycle with more power is like sometimes there's scenarios where you want a little extra acceleration to like get around because nobody sees a motorcycle on the road, right? Yeah. And so like having a little bit of extra power could be useful just for a safety standpoint, but I really don't need it, honestly. But yeah, man, crazy. That's a, that's a hell of a story. Yeah. Why'd your dad just throw you on this bike <laughs> with like, that's what I'm thinking. I'm just like, he, he put you on this death trap. <laughs> I know, I know. And looking back at it too, like uh, it was, it was, it was both sides of us. Is like I wanted to learn, he wanted me to learn. We wanted to ride together. It was this like yeah, you're saying the moment. Yeah. yeah, it's like this yeah. father son like bonding opportunity, which it for sure bonded us. Yeah, and like the, even like him like running down the street like yelling, he's proud of me for like. Yeah. And I told him too before I even like rode his motorcycle. I was like, I was like, Dad, if I dump your bike, like I, you can't be mad at me. And he's like, That's totally fine. Like he just wanted me to learn. And, and like, I did scrape his muffler a little bit, but like he didn't even blink. Right. And he, it's a very nice motorcycle. Like it's not a crappy bike. And so, but he didn't even blink. Like he just wanted me to learn. So yeah. In his eyes, he's like, my son, that's my, that's my son right there. Totally. That scuff mark. And now, and now we ride together and it's the greatest thing ever. Yeah, and like awesome. he has this like giant Harley and I just have my like sport bike, but it's still cool that we've been able to ride together. And so it's cool. How old were you when this happened? It literally happened like last year. Two years ago now, maybe. Yeah, 
It has. It wasn't that long ago that I honestly dealt with this. But How long has he been riding? His whole life, man. And he has crazy stories. Like I remember he was telling me where I'm from Minnesota and I remember he was telling me stories about how like he's literally like he crashed his bike on a highway going over a hundred miles an hour. And he said that uh, basically the back tire went out from underneath behind him and the bike slid onto its side. And then he basically like sat on the side of the motorcycle and rode it into the ditch without messing himself up and he's had other stories too where like he was coming down an on-ramp on the highway going like 130 miles an hour and he hit just like a little like blip in the road that basically kicked up his back tire and he said he could hear the back tire like yeah like going over like obviously i can't even remember how many thousands and thousands of rpms and he said like that scared him to the bone where like from that day he doesn't ride sport bike anymore, sports bikes anymore. He only does like the Harley Davidson like cruisers. He's obviously a lot more chill now, but he's had a lot of like super super close calls of accidents. And the funny thing too is like you mentioned earlier about um, wanting to get a motorcycle yourself, and I think a lot of people, especially guys, just in general, kind of want to experience that stuff. And like the thing I remember learning from the class though was that actually most like people are it's always like i don't want to crash i don't want to hurt myself it's super dangerous like everyone you talk to is like they're so dangerous like i've every time i talk to anybody that knows somebody that had a motorcycle it's always like yeah my friend died or my friend got in a car accident or my friend like dumped their bike or whatever but the, if you look at the studies actually though almost all motorcycle accidents and crashes happen from someone else that and yeah. it's people under the age of like 25 is like 90% of motorcycle accidents because like you're young, you're dumb, you're reckless, you're out with your buddies, you don't have experience on the road. And so like once you get past actually the age of like your like mid 20s or early 20s, there's actually very few motorcycle accidents. So it's uh I forget what that curve is called, but it relates directly to the rest of this conversation was which is more of like life and and business where in the beginning stages of anything, it's higher chance of risk. Oh yeah. Of anything. And 100%. one of the reasons, like, I, I think if I ever end up living more of a suburban lifestyle, it'd be something that I would consider. Um, I've ridden dirt bikes and quads and things like that before. I just, for me, it's just, there's so many bad drivers out there that yeah. just don't even look. They're on The thing that actually scares me the most is cell phones. Mm. It's the amount of people on phones that just, there's no way you can get out of the way of somebody that's on their phone just immediately getting over. So that's besides the point. I'd love to kick this into, thank you for sharing that short story. That was awesome. And it's one of the reasons that I love podcasting is just like, I see you riding around on this motorcycle and I'm just like, I wonder how somebody like yourself got into that. Um, Cause I don't, none of the rest of our friends are driving around Austin on a, on a motorcycle. Is that your only mode of transportation? Yep. That's fucking sick. Which, uh, side note, uh, I got caught in the rain with it the other day, and that was super not fun. But Yeah, do it, I mean, you haven't been here for a winter yet? Uh, no. I, yeah, so, I mean, spring through summer, we might get, I mean, it hasn't even, I don't think it's rained during the day. What was it, that one time this yeah, whole summer? basically. Yeah, so during the winter, it'll maybe like three or four times a month, but that's what Ubers are for, right? Right, or yeah. friends. Or yeah. I just Ubers, friends, or, or just suffer. won't go anywhere because like <laughs> Be I have no business. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that's where that's that's where I want to kick it into is telling a little bit more of your story of how you kind of got into doing your own thing and what that thing is. Um, a lot of people have reached out to me in previous years of I don't like my job, I don't like where I'm at. I kind of want to improve my mindset and switch it up and do something new. And it's always a pleasure when I get to invite other people on here that don't just say that they want to do the thing, but they're actually doing the damn thing. And even though that it might not be what they want it to be today, they're fighting every day to make it a little bit more of what they're up to. And that's where I'll give you the floor right now to kind of describe like what your past was and what your that life was and kind of where you've shifted it that into today here in Austin, Texas. Yeah, man. I think uh, I can relate so much to that experience of being somewhere that you don't feel like you should be. And the turning point for so many people that I think people can relate with is that we often reach a point where 
the pain of staying the same becomes more than the fear of the unknown. And I think a lot about that of how there's really two ways that you generally see people change is like something bad or hard happens, like a motorcycle crash. You're just at a a job or a career or even a relationship that you're just like miserable and you're just the pain is so much that you'd rather dive into the unknown than continue to stay where you are. Or it happens in like the little baby steps of like, I take little micro actions towards the things that I want to move towards until you essentially adopt that identity. Right. I feel like those are the two main ways that people really make change in their life. And for me personally, it was uh, the former. It was honestly pain. And I'll, I'll never forget the conversation that I knew that I was like, I can't do this anymore. And so just so people know my background, basically, I used to be a personal trainer, finished up with that, got into grad school and uh, got a degree in occupational therapy and was working in healthcare at an outpatient orthopedic clinic, worked in uh, essentially physical therapy and hand therapy specifically for over four years. And I remember I had a conversation with uh, a boss that just like really set me off on this journey of like, nope, can't do this ever again. I need to do my own thing. And it was, she she basically sat me down to have like a one-on-one meeting about just like some stuff that was going on within the business and stuff that I was doing in terms of like behavior or whatever. And one of the talking points, I'll never forget it, is she she brought up the fact that I was wearing a certain apparel that wasn't like within brand or within company. And she was like, she's like, yeah, I, uh, I heard, um, from somebody who was saying like last Friday you were, you wore jeans to work. And I was like, yeah. And, and she's like, yeah, that's just like, that's really not in brand with like our, our company and what we're trying to do here and yada, yada, yada. And I remember, <laughs> and, I, and I remember in my head, uh, I go, I go, nope, this is it. <laughs> never having this fucking conversation again like there's so many things that we could have talked about that i feel like could have been relevant or important like how can we provide better care for our patients or how can we do marketing strategies that's actually going to get our name out about what we're doing or like whatever like literally anything but we need to talk about my apparel right it was like i mean i if you showed up to work in a banana hammock sure maybe sure (laughs) well that's right exactly like or i had like a bunch of maybe tattoos on my face or something like something crazy (laughs) or makeup like a clown yeah like right but i wore jeans on a friday the previous week right and it was like it was like what kind of jeans were they i think they were the ones i'm wearing right now (laughs) they were literally these black jeans i wore them to work and it was like (laughs) it was in that moment though and and i look back at it of like it's funny to joke about it, but in that moment, I remember I was passed. I remember leaving work that day just passed. And I was like, yep, all right, I need to figure out how I can do this and how I can create a culture that I'm actually, and it's not to say anything about anybody who has a job or has a career or anything like that, right? Like, I never want to bash that as somebody who does my own thing. I think it's often like we try to like put ourselves on these pedestals as like it's something special and it's not necessarily, right? Like, there's a lot of great and amazing companies out there. Like, honestly, the tech companies out there, they're, they do a really good job of that stuff, right? Like, yeah, wear whatever you want. Like, have a limited PTO. That stuff's great. Um, but if you are, if you are that type of person that feels like you are in a company or a culture or situation where it sounds similar to what I'm dealing with, like you don't need to be there. And so basically follow, follow forward with that. And it basically leads me to me figuring out this combination of skills that I've had most of my life in a way to essentially bring them together. Right. And so as a younger child, I was just very into like video games and computers and, um, programming. Like I learned how to program when I was like 12 years old. I built my first computer when I was like 13 years old. Um, I actually originally was in school for computer science and like really kind of went down this rabbit hole of like learning and loving the tech side of things. Um, but through a story, which we can get into if you want to, um, a lot of that changed for me, which is why I went the direction of more health and fitness, which was like a huge pivotal moment in my life. And so knowing this giant background that I have in both technical skills and the health and wellness and fitness industry, I basically just took those two industries and smashed them together. And that's essentially what I do now today is I do marketing and web design um, for people in those industries, specifically people in healthcare and fitness and wellness uh, for two reasons. One is because that's the industry that I used to work in. It's the industry I'm training in and I can speak the language. I understand their pain points. I understand really how to help people to achieve the goals that they're trying to achieve because I, I used to work in the industry. And then the other piece of it is like understanding the technical side of things of like, how do you actually build a site? How do you actually 
um, program? How do you like actually get people to go to that site and uh, reach out to you and get leads and uh, garner attention and all the things that come with actually the technical side of a business? And so, especially now and today is like, I would say COVID was a really great thing in the sense of so many people are realizing that having an online presence is no longer a nicety. It's a necessity in a lot of cases. And so that's where I sit today is this, that corner of like, let us handle the technical side of things so that you can focus on providing good care for your patients and not having to talk about apparel and gene color, essentially. What's up, guys? I'd like to take a second to thank you for tuning into this episode with Corey. I hope you are loving this conversation so far. But before we get back into it, I have an opportunity I want to tell you about. As we all know, life is hard. It can beat you down, have you feeling low, and make it seem like you are alone. I'm here to remind you though, that the most worthwhile journeys, they are not meant to be taken alone. And right now you have the ability to take action and join others, including myself, on the mission to make every heartbeat count. Head over to cjfinley.com and sign up for my daily newsletter, where I will be giving you information, impactful stories, tips and tricks, and access to a community who are focused on making an impact above and beyond themselves. You'll also have the perk of exclusive giveaways, potential shout outs, and possibly even some collaborations. The least that will happen is you will walk away into every day with an extra pep in your step. My promise is that I will always do my best to help you thrive on life. And this newsletter is one of the best ways for me to help you do so. So if you're looking to get to the next level of your life, connect with like-minded individuals and have a daily dose of info that will help you thrive, sign up for my newsletter at cjfinley.com. Now let's get back to the conversation with Corey Hibben something that felt very traumatic in my life that infuriated me and like kind of scarred me a little bit was my very first real job. So coming out of high school, being in high school and transitioning into college, prior to then, I was just a hustler. I would babysit, mow lawn, shovel snow. And my parents were pressuring me a little bit, you should get a job. And it wasn't necessarily because of money. They, they just wanted me to see like what that was like, which was great because I learned real quick that it wasn't for me. So I get this job at Hollister and You're a good I, looking guy. I still <laughs> remember like three weeks in, it was I lasted three weeks and someone said that I was folding clothes wrong or something, which a hundred percent I was doing like, because in my mind they had this like perfect method to fold in the clothes, which then got ruined anyway when it was busy. So instead of like making them all perfect, I was like, it's better to have all of them not on the fucking floor and like at least up than it would be to have two perfect ones and then everything else is on the floor. Right. That's where my systems engineering brain goes, right? Well, that wasn't good enough for the manager there. And I remember her sitting me down and like literally grilling into me that I wasn't folding the the clothes right. And I'm sitting there thinking, I'm just like, this is where my mom goes. Uh, I was just like, you're like a 23 year old who thinks you have power. Like we're literally both at Hollister right now getting paid minimum wage. Like what the <laughs> fuck are we doing? I literally just walked out mid shift and just never returned. I didn't even come back to get my last paycheck. They, they, I remember, I still remember them calling my, I had a razor, Motorola razor at the time. And they would, you'd get voicemails back then you still get voicemails now but it's really only spam like nobody leaves a voicemail anymore right. um so they left a voicemail like yeah you still have your check whatever blah 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 just never even went and picked up my last check because I was you never like, got it nope i think they mailed it i think by law if you don't go and pick it up but i can't even remember at that point it was just like negligible it's like i don't even want to go into that store again and i've never walked into a hollister since so I was 18 at the time. I turned 18. like, So I had applied prior to turning 18. It was January of whenever I turned 18. And I got the, I got the job. And three weeks after 18, didn't have the job <laughs> anymore. Well, dude, it's small-minded thinking, right? Is, which is so hard to deal with sometimes. Is like when, Especially for guys like us who are just like constantly looking like big picture and vision and like really want to help people and make a difference and make change. To have those like small-minded conversations just like sucks the life out of us, man. It's and it's less for me. What I'm looking back on is like that. That there's nothing wrong with that girl. Like that was no. yelling at me, right? And it teaches me a lot about myself 
especially like in my marriage, it's less about like what you're saying and more about how you're saying it. She could have said it in a way that related to me, but she chose not to. And she didn't even know that she chose not to. Like we get into a system where the people that are in the middle, like stay in the middle for a reason. They just don't have the ability to reflect and be self-aware enough to like get to this next phase where being a great leader is more about relating to that person that is working their way up. So she could have related to me on, or even asked like, hey, why are you doing it this way? She just came at me. And if for someone like me, like if, if you come at me in a certain way, I'm just like, this ain't ever gonna get better. So one of us is gonna have to change. And I know it's not gonna be you, so I'm gonna change. And it sounds like you kind of did the same similar thing. Like you, you were at this job and it's just, well, they seem to be stuck in their way. So the easier solution is I can control what I can control and I'm going to go figure this out. So I'd love to ask you, what was in your mind when that's going through? Like, wow, like this is just not for me because a lot of people have that thought. Like they're sitting there in that thought right now, but they're still showing up to that job. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to get people, we call it, I, I try to pop people. Like you have popcorn, right? It's like, how do you get them to go from the, the kernel to like this bold thing that has popped and now they're delicious and love what they're doing, right? So for you, run us through that gray area of, okay, I had this uncomfortable situation. I need to do something for myself. It's not as easy as going home and being like, I'm just going to start this business. What was that path for you? Totally. I want to touch on, before I get to that, though, about what you said about how you say something versus what mm. you actually say, because I do think that is a really important point for people to pick up on, because you're right. I think in that scenario, which would have made that situation, honestly, a lot different, is if she tapped into why, because it wasn't really about necessarily like what I was wearing. It was the why underneath the certain apparel of like, listen, we have a certain brand image that our patients like to see and expect out of us. And if they don't, then they get upset or whatever the case might be. Right. It's like really tapping into like, what Well, like, why, like, what does it matter? Right. Cause if you can't tell me why we're going to do something as me personally, for sure, like I'm very disagreeable. I'm not going to do it. Like you have to, you have to encourage me of like, tell me why. Otherwise I'm not freaking doing it. Like my brother's actually the exact same way. He gets in trouble all the time at work for the exact same reason. But so, you- so is my brother. Really? <laughs> yeah, we're very, people call that stubborn, but in my eyes, it's just, these rules are all made up. Yeah. Like we live, we're floating animals on a fucking rock. <laughs> Calm down, Karen. Like, <laughs> it's a, uh, so just as a total side note, because I think it's a fun story. Um, my brother, he works in medical technology and he's in a managerial role. And so he manages a lot of people. And one of the things that his uppers wanted him to do was basically increase productivity of some of the techs that he was um, managing, essentially. And he, so basically he did a survey of all of his techs and he's like, he's like, hey, like what motivates you, right? Is it, is it vacation? Is it money? Is it gifts? Is it accolades? Like what motivates you, right? Like so, so that we can provide it to basically help increase productivity. And they all came back to him and they said money, right? Like making more money would motivate us to essentially work hard and increase productivity. And he was like, great. And so he went to his uppers and he's like, hey, um, I would love to do like a bonus or some some way that we can like basically give them more money so that um, they'll be more productive, right? And basically his uppers were like, ah, we can't do that. Like we just can't like do bonuses. We can't give increase in wages or raises or anything like that. And he's like, well, that's what's going to motivate them. And I'm telling you the solution to this problem. So like, we should probably figure this out. And they're like, nah, like it's on you. Like we can't do that. And he was like, well, fuck it then. And so what he did is he actually ended up um, clocking his texts in and out, even when they weren't in work to basically get them paid more. Right. So like they would just like not come in on a Friday (laughs) and he would like clock them in as if they were there. And then so that they had more money in their bank account essentially. Right. And, and then of course they saw an increase in productivity, like all the numbers went up, like even though they weren't working that day, he was just like sending them home and clocking them in and out. They were still making the money and the productivity numbers went up and he gets a call from his upper one day and they go, they're like, Hey, um, we heard you're just like clocking people in and out when they're not at work. And he's like, yep. And they're like, well, why are you doing that? And he's like, 
Well, because uh, it's increasing productivity and it's making them more money, which is one of the things that motivates them to increase productivity um, for doing their tech job. And they're like, well, you can't do that. And he's like, and he goes, he goes, why? And they, and he, and they go, because it's not in our policy. And he goes, well, oh, then change sense. the fucking policy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so long story short is like he was, he, I don't, I don't know like what ended up initially happening but i remember him just telling me he goes he goes yeah uh he's married he goes me and uh lindsey we have a pretty healthy emergency fund because i'm pretty sure i'm gonna get fired one of these days but the funny thing about it was like he he increased the numbers right like he made the business more productive by essentially going around what they were saying but he figured it out right in terms of um what they what he needed to do to basically get the job done and so Long story short, totally digress. It's just like that classic disagreeableness that runs in our family. Um, but to circle all the way back to your initial question about like, what do you do in that gray area? Or what do you do when like moments like that happen where even like my brother, where like, what do you do in that moment where you feel like your uppers or somebody in your life is like holding you back from what you want to be doing, right? And I think honestly, for me, the answer came down to like small incremental steps that's slowly getting you moving in the right direction. So for me personally, in that moment, when I was dealing with that, is that honestly, the first thing I did was I started looking for people in my life that I could serve and add value to. And it literally started with, there was actually a health coach in my town who I knew she just didn't have a very nice website. I knew she needed help with some of her marketing stuff. And I straight up told her, I was like, I was like, Hey, um, I'm just interested in this relationship. I just want to help you out and serve you in some way. I'll totally work for free. And that's what I did is like, I literally started redesigning her site. I started editing things. I started doing some of her content marketing and basically just starting adding value for free. And it literally just sparked something inside me of knowing that I can make a difference and help somebody else out without having it to be a paycheck from a company or a corporation, right? And through that one relationship, literally sprouted into so many other relationships and opportunities and things in my life that I never would have expected otherwise, purely because I put the focus on just wanting to help this person and to build this relationship and not so much on the money that I was going to get from it. Because I knew that would happen eventually. And honestly, I wish I could take credit for it. But that lesson came to me from a mentor of mine who I, th I think about this all the time, dude, is money monetizes once but skills and relationships monetize forever and i'll say it again money monetizes once but skills and relationships monetize forever and basically what that means to me in a nutshell is understanding that if you have skills and relationships in your life you'll never be poor ever ever right and but there's those are both hard to get don't get me wrong like skills are hard to acquire, but if you put in the time and energy, you can definitely do it. And relationships are hard to acquire, but if you put in the time and energy, you can do it. But you can monetize those forever, right? And so it was through that one relationship of meeting this person, helping to build this site, and then letting that sprout into other relationships. And so like for anybody else that feels like they're in that gray area, that spot, I, I mean, honestly, my best piece of advice is like, what's the smallest act of service you could do today just to get you moving in the right direction? Sign up. That sort of makes me think of, and I've, I've, I love how you put that because I've been thinking about this specific topic lately. I love stories and I love creating stories. And what it reminds me of is life in a nutshell is like signing up to a cruise ship. We only can see like, I'm signing up to go on this cruise that's like leaving from por this port, let's say Florida, and going to the Bahamas. Now, everything in between like who I'm gonna run into on the cruise ship, what am I gonna eat, what shows am I gonna see? Like, I don't know, right? But I do know I'm gonna go from Florida to the Bahamas. What's gonna happen to the Bahamas? Who am I gonna see? Who am I gonna meet? What little knickknacks am I gonna buy? I don't fucking know. I don't know why it's so hard for us though when we're thinking about our careers and our businesses to kind of have the same mindset. Like all I need to know is A to B. So in your business, like all I need to know is who's my customer, how can I serve them? Step one, everything in between, like you don't know yet. You're gonna have to lean on, oh, my customer asked me to send them an invoice. Well, I don't have an invoicing software yet. Okay, go to Google. <laughs> what's the cheapest invoicing software? What's, what's not even the cheapest? What's the most effective for the price point I wanna use right now? Send them an invoice. Next step is, okay, 
they want to leave a review for me. Well, I don't have a review page. Like, see where I'm getting at here? 100%. We, we try to go A to Z rather than just thinking like, how do I go from Florida to the Bahamas? And I love how you put that because that's another concept that I've talked a lot about on here. You mentioned free work, which the reality is we actually lose money gaining skills throughout our lifetime, except when you're in entrepreneurship. Like we go to school, we pay fifty to $100,000 to go to college. If you don't get a tuition, like, I mean, if you don't get a, a, a scholarship, like these days you're paying 50 to 100K over four years to have people teach you. Versus the beauty of entrepreneurship is I could spend $0 technically. I can go on YouTube and Google and network with people because there's a lot of entrepreneurs out there that will mentor you for free just because that's kind of like, I was telling Aaron this the other day, like my nonprofit work is really just giving back in the entrepreneurial space, giving my time back. Mm. And we just fail to realize that. Why do you think that is? Like, why why do you think people struggle to have the mindset that you and your brother have? Because y'all, this is a good conversation for me because this that's how me and my brother are. It's just like, if we don't, if we don't like something, fuck it. We're going to go do it our own way. That's just how we are. And I'm one of the reasons I built this podcast is to help other people lean into that mindset more. But the first step is understanding like why are people wired that way in the first place? So I'd love to ask you that. Like why can't most people turn that switch of, I'm just going to go help somebody for free? Yeah, I think a lot about this. So I think it's a phenomenal question. And I, for me, I always phrase it in, People are afraid to paint their canvas is how I think about it in that our entire life we are taught to wait in line and follow the rules and do what the teacher says and go to college and everything is always given to us. So just like follow these steps and everything will work out great and grand and glorious and the sad part about that is that's almost never the case. And it generally leads you to where you don't want to be anyways. And the reason we do it is because we would prefer to paint by numbers than to paint our own canvas, right? It's so much easier if somebody tells you, follow step one and then do step two and then do step three and everything's great and grand and glory. But that's not how the world works. And not only is that not how the world works, there's honestly very little of any value in that in the grand scheme of things, is that if I can tell you what to do from step one to step two to step three, I can also tell a computer to do that or any other automated system. So again, there's no value in that, right? And that's the entire system is built around that. And I and I'm speaking from that from a place of empathy because I was 100% that person. I was following all the rules and checking all the boxes and going to school and getting an undergrad degree and then even going and getting a graduate degree and then working a job only to find myself depressed, in debt, miserable, and not even doing what I wanted to do. And it wasn't until that great moment where that basically person, she should have just fired me in the moment the second she said that. But like it was in that moment where I realized that I needed to start leaning into the things that energetically pull me versus the things that drain the life out of me. And when I made that decision, that's when everything honestly changed for me. And it just goes back to that point of like, most people don't want to paint their canvas because it's scary, man. It's scary to think of like, you paint a canvas, whether it's like starting a business or getting a relationship or moving to somewhere new, and you have this blank canvas, and then you paint on it, and then you show somebody, and you're like, do you like it? Like, is it pretty? And most people are going to be like, no, man, you still suck. Like, go paint again. And that's honestly what happens. And that's really what entrepreneurship is, is like, you're just constantly painting until you find and create something that's unique to you and unique to the people that you also relate to and also want to connect with and also want to have a relationship. And, and so like, in a nutshell, man, like for anybody listening, I think so much of it is just like what energetically pulls you and lean more towards that versus the things that drain you. Like that's honestly made the biggest difference in my life. So essentially be a kid. Yes. hundred percent. Play, <laughs> play, man. Like paint with your hands. Whatever. When we're kids, we just get pulled in 50 million different directions and we just, we just go with it. I love that you use the word pull. And one of the, one of the things that comes to me is when you're talking about your life, like you shouldn't have to be pushed in a direction. Hmm. If your parents are trying to push you 
in a certain direction or your friends are trying to push you in a certain direction or trying to push yourself in a certain direction, that's the first sign that like, hmm, maybe I should take a step back and really reflect. Like, I want to clarify, that doesn't mean push yourself because running, for example, I run a lot and I still am not like, I fucking love to run. Like, that's not (laughs) me. But I feel this pull of like, if I wake up and I don't do this thing, like something isn't right. And that's more of like what I'm trying to convey here is like that pull, uh, that energetic pull of I need to be on this path versus on this path that someone's pushing me towards. And I want you to say this again, paint by numbers. That's mm-hmm. what, So when I think about painting by the numbers, it makes me think of our life. If I were to tell you, Corey, here's what would happen at age 35. Here's what would happen at age 40 for you. Here's what 45 and 50 and 60 look like. How boring would life be then? Like, what is the point of life at the end? Like, if if we're going by the numbers, like, what is the point of life? Totally agree, dude. And I think so many people, if they just literally just took a step back, if you're listening to this right now and just ask yourself, wow, I've been conditioned to think that going by the blueprint is the way to success when the reality is what makes life worth living in the first place is I don't know. I don't know where I'm going to fail or where I'm going to succeed. I have guesses. I have assumptions. I have hypotheses. And I like how you painted a picture, pun intended, (laughs) where that person paints a little bit, asks somebody, what does this look like? And they're reflecting back and saying that it sucks. My challenge to anybody listening to this is finding people that you trust to tell you that it sucks and then them telling you why it sucks. That is the key to growing as an entrepreneur and growing as a person. I think one of the issues that we have in today's world is a lot of people are bringing to the picture to someone who's not a painter and asking them, what do you think about this? How are you going to allow somebody to judge you if they've never gone down that same path? So who have been, you mentioned a mentor, like how have you figured out, well, you went to school for one thing and you had a passion for another thing, but when it comes to succeeding in that thing, building websites, branding, marketing, what are some of the things that you've had to do or overcome? What have the struggles been in that? Because it's not just... I had this passion and I have these skills and then I mix them in a bowl and I'm now a million dollar company. There's going to be struggles along the way. So what, even with your passion and the skill set that you've grown, like what have been some of the things that have been some road bumps and then how have you been conquering them? As cliche as this sounds, man, like the people that are, that we surround ourselves with, I would argue is without question, one of the most important things in life. And I've seen it play out in my life again and again and again. And so every chapter of my life has literally been a direct reflection of the people that I'm around without question. So when I think about like my younger self in high school or even teen years, and I look at the people that I was around, I was for sure the average of those people, right? And you follow that track throughout the course of your entire life. And you'll very quickly realize that, the people you surround yourself with are rather bringing you up or pulling you down one way or another. I don't honestly believe there's anything called a neutral engagement. I think we're always energetically affecting each other one way or another. Even us sitting here today, like the words that are coming back and forth are affecting each other, whether we realize it or not. And so um, for me, I would say the biggest pivotal moments from a life standpoint was one of them was when I was 17 years old. I was in a relationship with a girl who it was one of those things where you're like, you're young, you're dumb, you're hormonal. Like you're like, I'm going to be this person forever. They're the greatest person. I can't wait to marry him and have kids and baby and blah, blah, blah. Right. It's like the dumbest thing ever. Dude. Same, same, (laughs) same story, same story. Five uh, years. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yep. We were together a couple of years and, uh, and she broke up with me and um, it honestly spiraled me to, without question, the darkest depression I'd ever been in my entire life. Like to the point where I literally remember being, I was like 17 at the time, I was a senior in high school and in my parents' basement, 
just like not even wanting to live anymore, like not even wanting to be here, just horribly depressed. And uh, I remember my mom actually, she invited me, she was going to the YMCA and she's like, why don't you just like come work out with me? And um, just like, and at that moment it was like, sure, I'll do anything. I'll do literally anything just not to be this sad anymore. And I remember she pulled me to the gym and started working out. And, and it was one of those things where I left the gym and I was still horribly depressed, but like, I was less depressed. I felt a little better that day. And I was like, that's interesting. And so then I went back with her again. And again, it happened. I left the gym and I was like, man, like, I feel a little better. Like, I'm still horribly sad, but I feel a little bit better. And basically snowball that over the next like couple of weeks or months and essentially pulled me out of depression. And the interesting thing about that is like in retrospect now, I didn't know it was happening at the time, but literally what that wired in my brain was this association between like, health and fitness and happiness and so like that to this day i know i still carry in the back of my head that i have this like tie this correlation between like just moving your body and exercising and doing things that are physically challenging and my own general well-being and happiness and like that's honestly the path that led me down being a trainer and getting into healthcare and all the other things was just like that moment of realizing like health is so important to me and the funny thing about that though man is that even following that path into graduate school, I remember I uh, I made the mistake of thinking that was the only thing that mattered, which is a huge mistake. And it's because I was in graduate school and when you're at that, if you wanna call it high level of education, your entire focus is like, I gotta get good grades, I gotta learn this craft, I gotta be the best of the world at this, right? And I was so focused on it too. I even remember to, th- to this day that actually like I didn't, it was in Iowa and I decided not to fly back home for a buddy of mine's wedding um, because I was so focused on school, which now looking back at it was the dumbest thing ever. But it was halfway through my program where again, I was in my apartment building and I remember feeling like the room was a dungeon. I remember like feeling like I was like, oh crap, like I'm depressed again. I didn't even realize it. I was like, oh crap, like I'm depressed again to the point where I left my apartment. I went out to the park. I lay down in the grass again, super depressed. And I was like, what the hell is happening? Like, why am I so sad? Like I'm exercising, I'm eating healthy I'm getting straight A's, like going to all my classes. And what I realized in that moment, which was another life-changing moment for me was I realized that I was completely disconnected from the people and the relationships in my community. Because I had moved somewhere where I didn't know anybody. I had no friendships. I had no relationships. And I wasn't getting involved with anybody else in town. And again, spiraled me into a depression, which the irony in this story is that I was in a program that was literally teaching you that health is holistic. That health is more than just exercising and eating healthy and being fit. It's it's spiritual. It's emotional. It's relational. It's communal. It's, it's all these things coming together to essentially create a happy and healthy human. And, and still to this day, and now I carry that with me of understanding that like, yeah, I can be fit, I can be healthy and all those things, but it doesn't matter if I don't have the right people in my life. And the reason I tell this long story to circle back to your original question about like the pivotal moments and the people and the relationships in my life is that every stage of my life has always been about the people in my life. And when I surround myself with people that are happy and healthy and ambitious and want to do those things, I seem to innately adopt those characteristics and those traits. And so like, if there was a life hack, which I don't think there is, if there was a life hack in this world, it's literally like getting around the people that you most want to be like will move you in that direction. Whether you realize it or not, it will happen. I always think that like our environment plays us like a fiddle, man. Is that like even quotes on the wall, they've shown so many studies that if it's just like a motivational quote on the wall and you're just like in a room with that quote, even if you didn't even see it, even if you didn't even know it was there, they've shown you're more productive. And it's like, what? Like, are you kidding me? Like, yeah, literally like the books on the table in the room right now are like, (laughs) it's so funny to think that our environment and the people in the environment are constantly playing us like a fiddle. I was actually just having a great conversation with a good buddy of mine who, so I've uh, prior to COVID competed in a couple of physique shows and I have three buddies that are going on a trip with me to Knoxville, Tennessee, Smoky Mountains this August. 
and they wanted to do like a bodybuilding show. They've seen that I've done them. And so they're doing one this November. And one of my really good buddies, his name's Joey. Huge shout out. I love the guy to death. He's like on a scale of introvert, extrovert. He's like a 13. He's like the most extroverted person I've ever met in my whole life. And he's like... (laughs) I thought you were going to say he's the most introverted person. No. And I was just like, okay, he's in for a rude awakening getting no. on stage. <laughs> no, he's super extroverted. And he already has like two memberships. And he's like, so now he's getting into this bodybuilding thing. And uh, there's a gym back home called Los Campionas. They have one here in Austin now, actually. They're great. And he's like, well, looks like I got to get my third gym membership because he wants to be able to be around the other people that are into bodybuilding and into that realm because he knows how much that affects who he is as a person right and so he literally signed up for his third gym membership just to be around other people who are into the bodybuilding world and like believe it or not though it works man like like i said if there was one life hack the people the energy the happiness that you want to experience get around those people and you're going to adopt that whether you like it or not there's so much to unpack there one 100 i agree that's what I feel like I was called to live in Austin, Texas, just of a lot of the things we were touching on. Two, you mentioned this earlier in the podcast about having to go through a traumatic event before you make that change. Do you believe that there's a way that we can get people to understand that today is the day without anything traumatic happening? Another main reason I do this podcast is like to inspire that. So if people listen to these sh- this show, like every single episode, we kind of get somewhere in this topic where you got to make every heartbeat count every single day. Like there is no time to waste and you don't need to wait for this traumatic event for you to completely pivot your life. And a good example personally right now is I'm currently building a home that Aaron and I are building out to be much more suitable to our lifestyle and the environment that we want. And you mentioned community. One of the things that I've lacked is like, I have a lot of community, but not in my home. I miss being able to invite friends over and say like, come have dinner with me or like, let's grill. Or that's something that I grew up with. And I also had at my college, but I haven't had since. I just haven't lived in an environment where it was sustainable to do that. And that's one of the things that we're building into that. But even while I'm building this one, I'm already thinking five years ahead of what my life looks like beyond this one home. I don't need the traumatic event to tell myself that like I get bored of things rather quickly. So after two or three years, I'm then going to be looking back in the mirror and saying, okay, like I've had this satiation. Now what? So I'm learning that like I've had traumatic things happen in my past, which have sped my ability up to execute and fulfill my dreams. And now I'm thinking in decades rather than I used to think in days, like I'm stressed about what's going on tomorrow or this week. And like, I don't stress over that stuff anymore because I'm thinking about five, 10 years down the road and how does today impact me getting there? Stressing about things is not going to help me get there. But that person that's sitting at a desk right now that they don't like being at or has that boss that's yelling at them for their jeans that they're wearing to work. And they don't have the luxury of like having an emergency fund like your brother had. How do we get them to take action? That is like one of the things that fires me up the most is I only think that if I take more action, they might see it or hear it and take it themselves. Is there any other way? It's a really good question. Oftentimes I think it's an identity issue. Identity drives all behaviors and actions, right? When you say identity, what do you mean? The stories we tell ourselves, right? The people that we think that we are, the the voice in our head essentially telling you like, you can't do that, you've never done that, or you're this type of person, or people have always told you a certain thing about yourself, so you just repeat it in your own head and you believe it to be true. I think so much of it is comes down to that just piece of awareness of like your identity and the stories that you're telling yourself. And so like, again, not that I necessarily believe in life hacks, but I think so much of that, which is one of the most beautiful things that's happened in, I mean, it's been around for thousands of years, but I would say it's more quote unquote trendy or popular now today. is just like self-awareness and taking time to step back and reflect and like breathe and understand like the behaviors that are driving you. Cause like so often we confuse the thoughts in our head for truth, right? 
and we don't recognize that they're just thoughts. And everything that I've seen in terms of like being able to make changes in my life, whether it's bad behaviors, bad habits, bad relationships, bad environments, always starts with the awareness that it's even happening. And that's why I feel like for me, like honestly, the meta skill to all this has always been just like awareness and as buzzy as it sounds, like mindfulness, like meditation practice. I remember in college, man, I remember in graduate school, I had a teacher. She was a yoga teacher. She was very like, quote unquote, woo woo. And she was very into meditation. And at this time, so this must've been five years, six years ago now or something like that. And uh, at this time she was like preaching about like meditate. Right. And I remember thinking it was the dumbest thing in the world. (laughs) I was like, there's no way just sitting alone with my thoughts and just like breathing is going to be helpful to my life. Right. And it wasn't, this was literally like right when I feel like the research was starting to come out about, they were doing brain scans. And I remember the study that really triggered me was they literally showed that the areas of the brain that were associated with like stress and worry and anxiety actually got smaller. And the areas of the brain that were associated with like happiness and joy and fulfillment actually got bigger by literally just like sitting and watching your breath. And I remember seeing that study and I needed like hard science at the time to really understand this stuff. And I remember seeing that and I was like, oh, okay, maybe this isn't fucking woo woo, right? And so I started doing it, right? Like most people downloaded like, I think it was Headspace was the one you do like 10 day trial or whatever. And you don't really notice much. And it was like for a very long time that it was always something that would fall off the to-do list. Like I'd exercise, eat healthy, but meditate. I was like, ah, it happened. Sometimes it wouldn't happen, right? And it wasn't until I remember the moment for me that it clicked, that it was actually happening and like it was actually making a difference was I remember I was driving down the road and somebody cut me off. And I remember noticing the anger arise as opposed to allowing it to sweep through and take me over. And it was in that moment where I was like, oh, like I'm not my thoughts, like those, or even my emotions, right? Like those are just, that's just data. That's just information about what's happening in the world and what's happening in my environment. And it just like really triggered for me. And so ever since then, it's like been a very important and very regular part of my practice. And so to long-windedly answer your question about like, what does somebody do that's just not taking action? I think probably the issue is awareness is that they're probably not aware of the fact that you have higher level thoughts and you have lower lower level thoughts, right? Your lower level thoughts are often things of like, I'm hungry, I'm sad, I'm tired, I'm whatever, just like base emotions versus your higher level thoughts are what you were talking about in terms of like thinking long-term and thinking big picture of like, yeah, I don't necessarily always want to run. I'm not even that super into running, but I know that I'm going to feel better afterwards. I know that it moves me towards a goal in a direction that I want to be moving towards. And it's basically chasing this. I used to have, I'm very particular about my values and I used to have this value around happiness. And for the longest time, it just never felt right to me, right? Like health, happiness. And the reason that it never felt right to me is because I realized that a higher level thought or emotion or value was fulfillment. Because happiness is always fleeting, right? Like sometimes I'm happy and sometimes I'm sad. There's nothing solid in that. But fulfillment, that's different. That's that's the thing you're talking about where like, yeah, I don't feel like running. I'm not happy to run right now, but I bet you're going to be feeling pretty fulfilled that you did go on a run, right? You're not going to regret that. And so I think so much of it is just awareness, man, is like finding time in your life to step back and pause and figure out the things that you really want. Because when you get clear on what you really want, I don't feel like taking action becomes an issue anymore. And to understand what you really want, I think that word fulfillment is great. What would be fulfilling to you? And going back to the running, what is fulfilling to me is running in this hot-ass weather here in Texas. It's It doesn't make me happy. But when I get to go to Colorado and then I'm fit enough to literally run three miles up a mountain and then literally go fast as hell down it and video myself and have these experiences that if I didn't run in that 100 degree weather, I wouldn't have had that experience. I would have had to turn back. It never would have happened. And I love how you put that because if we understand what is fulfilling to us in the long term, the short-term pain and the short-term monotony gets easier. 
And I think people are more afraid of that than anything else. Like we don't want to have to do those boring things every day. It's easier to complain about the dishes that need to get done than to just meditate and do the dishes. Just zone out and just get the dishes done. Like if you really did that, I, it's funny, my wife and I get in arguments over this. The time it takes her to argue with me over why the dishes are done or not done, I'm like, you could have just done the dishes. <laughs> or me too. Because she has a right to get on me sometimes. But I, in my head, I'm just like, this will take three minutes. Let's just shut the fuck up and go do it. Right? <laughs> but it's more fun sometimes. It's more exciting to just like engage in that way, in that monkey like at the end of the day, we're animals, right? Totally. Like to engage in that monkey brain. So totally. I love how you put that because if that's what separates us from those animals, though, is like asking like long-term, what what would make me fulfilled as a human being? And if more people were asking that, even in just, I think we have to embed it in our systems. So like to go back to the original question of how do we think, how do I inspire people to do that? Like it needs to be embedded into parents' brains. So then like the first system is like kids are born, their parents are, are there to guide them, right? So how, if parents are asking their kids, what is fulfilling to you and having them try a bunch of different things, that's the first step. And then school is like, not like get these good grades. It's okay, what's a path that would be fulfilling in the long run? Like what pain are you willing to go through right now to have a fulfilling long-term? I think the action piece too is like so rooted in like, you're not following your curiosities. I'm not wearing my McConaughey shirt today but one of the things I learned from Matthew McConaughey is that we're really bad at knowing what we want, but we're really good at knowing what we don't want. And so the only way to figure out what you want is to do a lot of things, right? Is try a lot of stuff. Without expectation. 100%. Just pure curiosity, right? Is the more you can just follow your curiosities and the things that again, to our original point in this whole conversation of like the things that pull you, action doesn't become an issue, right? Like I guarantee you, anybody listening to the show, they don't have issues following the things they're genuinely curious about. They have issues taking action on the things that they probably don't freaking want to do. And if you don't want to do it, then why are you doing it? This We are literally in the grand scheme of the world of how long we're even on this planet we are literally a single flicker of a firefly in the night. One time. That's it. That's yeah. all we are. And you're wasting your time and energy and soul and spirit and everything you're about doing something you don't really want to be doing. It's not to say, like, don't do hard things. It's not to say don't challenge yourself. It's not to say you're not going to have bad days. But, like, if it's not pulling you and energetically exciting you, why are you doing it? Love it. We're going to end there because I know you got to get to the DMV uh, and I don't want to be the guy that holds you up from doing that because I know um, having to reschedule that will be not fun on no, your part. That'd be like three months. So to wrap this up, we always kind of wrap up in the same way. Uh, I, you do have a business, so I'd love for you to just take 20 seconds here. Who's your target customer? You kind of mentioned it earlier, but if someone out there is listening uh, that could potentially work with you, what do they look like and how they get in contact with you? Sure. So we serve our bread and butter is website design and development for anybody in the health or fitness or wellness space. So it's, that's obviously like personal trainers, chiros, doctors, MDs, startups, anybody in that really just like trying to make the world a healthier, happier place. Those are the people we serve. And then I also have a podcast show called The Health Hustle. It's purely focused on people just like CJ here in Austin, Texas. And we talk about the business side of essentially the health and fitness industry and how people built their businesses and the lessons they learned along the way. I love it. And how do they get in contact with you? What's the best way to contact Corey? Um, so my website is coreyhigh.com or you can find me on Instagram, LinkedIn, under my name, Corey Hibben. And also the podcast is on all major podcasts. It's called The Health Hustle-Austin, Texas. Sweet. Last question we always ask everybody. Really looking forward to your response to this. If I were to ask you, what does thriving mean to you? How would you respond? I would say it would be living in alignment with your nature and your passions. I think so often we do the things that we think we should be doing versus the things that we're called to be doing. And the problem with that is that you can only push yourself for so long before you quit versus the things that pull you never ends.
It's a good one. And that parlays right into at the end of every episode, I do my biggest takeaway. And it happened towards the end here where you're talking about that word fulfillment. I'm going to write that down on the whiteboard and really start thinking about what are the things that I've done in my past that have been unfulfilling? Because you mentioned we know what we don't like, right? So what have I done and what actions have I taken that really left me unfulfilled? And why did I do those things? And that'll kind of guide me to the future of just take that half away and then automatically you're going to open up doors that are more fulfilling to yourself. So I really like how you put that. And then also the firefly. Most people don't realize like, I mean, humans have been around for so long and hopefully we don't kill each other and we're around for a lot longer. But our existence as humans is such a sliver that when you really start thinking about that, like I mentioned in the beginning, we're just a speck of dust floating around on a rock. It makes doing those fulfilling things and taking action towards those a hell of a lot easier. You realize you don't have time to waste and you end up doing what Corey does and walking out on that job that won't let him wear jeans. So <laughs> this is CJ Finley with the Thrive On Life podcast. I love you all. The best way that you can help me out right now is share Corey's story. If this hit home with you, please reach out to him. I'd love to connect you all and help make this world a healthier, happier, and place that's thriving. So I'll talk to you guys soon. Thrive on. What's up, y'all? This is CJ again. And on behalf of the small team here at Thrive on Life, I'd like to thank you for listening to one of our episodes. Our mission in life is to help people like you fuel your passion and make every heartbeat count. And we realize the best way to do this is together as a team. So we'd love for you to join in on this mission and connect with like-minded individuals within our Thrive on Life community. To do so, please head to thriveonlife.com and connect with us there. We'd love to chat with you. Before I sign off, I'd like you to always remember one thing. When we strive together, we thrive together. So please do your part in helping others thrive on life.